generate is supporting my vision to improve the financial literacy of 100,000 Kiwis by sponsoring Keep the Change. Cheers, Generate. Head to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to find out more. Getting in the KiwiSaver fund that suits you and your situation is key to making sure you're maximising your investment. Generate are an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of long-term performance and they can help you do exactly this. Their advisors can meet with you to talk about all your options when it comes to KiwiSaver to help you decide what's best for you. Too many people never get KiwiSaver advice, but not you. Go to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to book a no-obligation chat with a Generate advisor. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited. And of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Welcome back. You were listening to another episode of KeepTheChange.co.nz's Money Mail. Thank you for learning, for listening, for being here. And thank you if you could take five seconds to leave a five-star review for this podcast. It looks like we're about to go past 600 of them, which is a fair stack of reviews and more than I've seen around the traps when having a look at podcasts is 574 at the more at the moment and 25 more gee i'm already saying the next word of the sentence before i even get there my brain will do that to me 25 more of the bad boys and we will crack 600 which is pretty exciting so thank you if you have taken the time to do that if you're not pull over on the side of the road whatever you're doing put your kid down Give this a five star. This will ensure that this content gets in front of even more people. And I tell you what, getting in front of even more people, shit, that is exactly what is happening at the moment. A little bit of behind the scenes. So over the last couple of weeks, I've been, uh, I've had a couple of meetings with people talking about sponsoring, partnering, working with Keep the Change. And I think it's just getting in front of a few more decision makers and things like that. And people are kind of going, shit, what's, uh, what's going on here? You know, the podcast is now at about 15,000 monthly listeners and the readership is probably 10,000. And, you know, I knew we would get here, um, but it's been surprising how long it's taken for people to get in touch. But I probably shouldn't be surprised because I've kind of done some of the stuff before and I know how these things work. And I know also that uh, I'm going to be very careful of what I choose to sort of align with and and those types of things. Uh, But basically... I need to figure out what that partnership as such with anybody, what it looks like. I always try and approach things. How can I give more than I'll get back in return? I think I've taught you about that before as well. Output over input and and tip the scales so that the world eventually owes you something for for the amount of value that you've been able to provide. So I kind of look at those things and think, hmm, if I'm going to partner with XYZ or with whatever, what are they going to get out of it? Uh, What am I going to get out of it? What am I then going to do with that? How can I over deliver what we are suggesting, and yeah, I I just um, I also have a bit of a thing where I people that support me, I try and find a way to support them if I can at later dates and stuff like that, and it's just a concept that's paid off and worked very well throughout my short life. So there's some cool stuff happening uh, on the side there, and 
more and more people reaching out. I've had some Facebook ads, no, sorry, Spotify ads running, introducing the podcast to different people. So I think that people have been finding the podcast for the first time and probably thinking, how the hell are there so many episodes? And I think we're nearly about to go past 300 episodes, which is pretty crazy. Mikey and I have got a, a couple to record coming up as well. I've been doing some interviews recently. Those will keep rolling out. I've been having meetings with just people doing cool shit in the financial services type space to figure out, is there something that I can get them to teach uh, the audience as the audience gets bigger? As an example, I'll get a guy on in March and he's built a business around going into organizations and helping them um, with the, the questions that the staff have internally around finances and getting out of debt and stuff like that. And then they produce a whole heap of content. So he really likes what I'm doing. I like what he's doing. And just a good dude. So we sit down for a bit of tucker and I like to do that to really, I can sort of trust my gut quite quickly of whether I like people or not, how much truth they'll tell me. Is there any dick swinging going on? I hate that. Just bore, bores me, you know, but you, you can, the more you meet with people that are doing well, you realize that they don't need to, or that really believe in what they're doing. They don't need to do that stuff. They're just like, here's who I am. Here's warts and all. Um, and this is why I'm doing it. And yeah, so there's a bit of that going on as well. And yeah, we're only at bloody February. So this weekend, I uh, recording a couple of podcasts as well for with the uh, Lighthouse Financial crew and going into their setup. So that'll be a bit of fun and that content will roll out over the coming weeks as well. So there is just content, content, content coming at you from all angles, which is cool. Um, and then recently today as well, I've actually just started a Twitter for Keep the Change. Now, I don't know if it's been fully approved and stuff. Mikey actually said he tried to find it and it, it uh, didn't pop up. Now, I don't think I need to be on Twitter. I'm like, fuck, another platform. You've heard me talk about this before. But at the same time, I know that there's a very different audience over on Twitter. And if I can get some of that content in front of the right people, uh, that builds credibility. And there's a lot of journalists and newsy type people over there. And that's where they consume a lot of their content. Now, recently, I got a phone call from someone at Stuff. And they just ring you out of the blue. You know, I was in a meeting, said, hey, I'm in a meeting. And they say, oh, such and such here from stuff. Can you please call me back? And I'm like, well, in regards to what? And they say, oh, about financial literacy. And they end up on the phone for half an hour. And they end up doing this story about someone tidying up their financial um, past and all those types of things. And they might have referenced Keep the Change, I think. And then he came across Keep the Change. And he's going, what the hell is Keep the Change? Then he's dug into the website and had a look at a little bit of the content and gone, wow, you know, how did I not know that this existed? And all of a sudden he, he's asking me, well, if I'm doing different stories, would you be happy to contribute at different times? I say, of course I would. Of course I would. So these things, they have a, a compounding and snowball effect. And you know, there's that saying where it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. But I also think that's slightly wrong. And it's not what you know, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. And then it's all three of those things. Because if people know who you are, then things start to happen. But in traditional teaching of New Zealand, it is like, keep your head down, you know, don't, oh, why do you have to be all out, out there doing that stuff? Oh, you love yourself, you know, a classic tear down a Kiwi trying to do something. But fuck's sake, you can't do anything without attention in this country. We've just been smashed by floods and all these types of things. If they couldn't get the attention of people to warn them about that stuff, no one would have had any idea, right? So attention is so, so important, and we sort of try to tell people to stay away from it and be very careful, but at the same time, the big dogs, they all understand it and they get it. So 
Sometimes it's, it's actually what you do know, who you know, and who knows you. So don't forget the who knows you piece. Sometimes you have to push and get yourself out there and get yourself in front of different people. So I'll keep you updated on a number of those things as well. But I'm a little bit late to record this lesson because I got to about Wednesday and I thought, shit, I don't think I recorded Money Mail from last week, which is very, very slack and a little bit naughty of me. I had planned to come and do it uh, and I just completely forgot. So we're a little bit late to the party. But this is a, a, a reel that I made and then I turned it into a written message as well to go a little bit deeper and, and now the podcast version as well. Now the reason we've started off with Seether, I think that's called an Amy Lee Broken, is because I think that something is a little bit broken in terms of what we accept when it comes to what we save and at the moment obviously things are expensive and it's very very hard to save. I asked people on Instagram recently is this the hardest you've ever found it to save and over 60% of people said yes. So we are all, well not all but you know, 60% of people are saying hey and these are like savvy people learning and thinking about finances right. If 60% of them are saying yeah I'm finding it this is the hardest I've found it to save. We know something's not quite right there. But I wanted to touch on this concept of saving 10% of every dollar you earn. So this one was called save more than you pay in tax. Can you actually do that? So you may have heard the saying, just save 10% of every dollar you earn. Now there are actually a couple of flaws with this before you even really get into it. One is that most people save a percentage of their net pay, so that's their after tax pay, rather than every dollar that they earn. So that is their gross income and their income that they earned before paying taxes. Now secondly, simply saving cash doesn't shield you from the impact of inflation. We know that simply saving money won't actually help us, will it? We have to invest and we have to figure out where to invest it and then we have to leave it in there and try not to touch it and let it compound over time and over time. That is what all of the wealthy people have done and teach and simply stacking cash under a mattress means that we're going to get smashed by inflation which you now know a lot about because we're all facing that. So investing 10% is probably the better lesson than saving. So just a couple of distinct differences there that sometimes people will overlook. But those two things aside, let's look at why this may continue to keep us thinking too small. Three key words here, thinking too small. Now why do I say this? Well because we've somehow accepted paying the government more than we pay slash keep for ourselves. Before you blow up about me being pay, be being anti-paying tax and all that sort of stuff because I had one of those like, oh you know, whether they fund the nurses and blah blah blah, I'm like yes I get that, okay, I am an accountant so geeky enough to understand that, but that is not what I'm saying. So I'm not saying that, oh, you know, I don't think we should be paying tax. That is not the lesson here. The lesson is to think about what you're saving and how you can increase it. Your target could at least be to save as much as you pay in tax because if you think about it, you don't get your tax. It just comes straight out of your pay when you're on a PAYE salary. That is actually another advantage of being in a business. You get to delay when you pay tax and you can also play around with financing that and paying it at a later date, but that's a whole nother topic. However, if you're on a PAYE salary, they're going to strip your tax out before you even get it, right? So the government, the IRD, they are saving from you, like they are being funded by you, the person, before you even get yours. So you've done all the work, and then bang, that money gets held aside by your employer, it goes into a PAYE return, and when they file that with the IRD, off it goes to them, and that's used for government finances. 
So they take a percentage of your cash before you even get your cash in your pocket. Now let's have a look at a couple of examples to sort of understand this a little bit differently. Let's take someone who earns $70,000 before tax. So an income of $70,000, after tax you'll be left with $55,000. $15,000 in tax, if we divide that by $70,000 is 21.4%. So 15 divided by 70 21.4%. The government are taking 21.4% of someone earning $70,000 to run the country, pay the doctors, pay the teachers, the nurses, etc., etc., etc. Happy days, we understand that that's important, but there is 21.4% of that income gone. Now we're thinking, we'll just save 10% of every dollar we earn. Well, the government are thinking a lot bigger than that, aren't they? They're thinking bigger than us. And that's where I think it's just a little bit broken, especially when then when we've got to go pay for all of our costs and things that are going up and travel and different things, education and back to school for kids and all this different stuff. Some of us are even struggling to save. But the government are thinking big enough, they're thinking, well, like, sorry guys, we're going to take it straight away. So you're going to try and save after all of those expenses and put some aside, and you're going to struggle to do that, but we're not going to be that silly. We're going to take it from you straight away. So there's a good lesson in there, isn't there, that we should probably try and aim to mirror what they're doing because it works for them, so then maybe we can implement that into our own lives. Now, 21.4% of total income handed over in taxes and ACC before you even get to play with it, but you were taught to simply save 10% of every dollar that you earn. Now, this same person will probably save 10% of the $55,000, so that's the $70,000 minus the $15,000 in tax, they'll save 10% of the $55,000 after tax, right? And they'll have $5,500 left at the end of the year. Now we're $1,500 short already because we're saving in net rather than gross, so we should have saved, if we're going to save 10% of every dollar we earn, we probably should have been saving $7,000, but now we've only saved $5,500, so we're $1,500 short. But if we take this $5,500 and divide it by $70,000, so that's the amount that we saved divided by our total income, it's 7.86%, which means that we aren't even hitting the 10%, are we? We've accepted handing over three times more in taxes than what we can save for ourselves. Of course, we save to do with what we like, including setting ourselves up for retirement, etc. Now, of course, that is why you know most of us are saving, is to have the things that we want in our future. It could be uh, a property, it could be our retirement, it could be looking after ourselves, it could be an education for our child, all those different things we save for different reasons. But usually, people are saving for something that is quite prosperous and positive that's going to reduce the burden on the tax system as well. But the government, they are taking it sooner, they're taking more than what we are able to put aside. So again, what I'm saying is you could target at least to save as much as you pay in tax. Like That could be your goal for 2023, 2025, 2026, is just to understand this concept and go, huh, yeah. Hadn't really thought about it from that way. So what percentage am I actually saving? Now this is why I'm also so big on lessons around increasing your household income. Because if your income isn't increasing, then how are you actually going to change this percentage and increase it and make sure that you can get closer to 21% for instance rather than 7.86%. Now a border for instance 200 bucks a week could add on $10,000 in tax free income. We've spoken about that at length before. Contributing to KiwiSaver to ensure you get your matched employer contribution and the annual government contribution. So that's how you can increase your savings too, because if you contribute to KiwiSaver, your employer is going to match it. 
So they're effectively saving for you too. So then your percentage increases. And then the government are going to give you that $521, I think it is, per year as well. And that's going to increase the amount that you're saving. So you've got to look for ways. How can I actually save or invest but basically increase the percentage of the cash that you were earning, how can you turn that into more and make that rate higher to get better, more in line with what the government are taking from you as a target? Now, we won't go into all the different ways you can earn some extra money because we've done a shitload of content on that in the past, so please dig into those. But this is why I mention it often, okay? Now, you need to get in the habit of trying to find new ways to make income that isn't costing you heaps or risking what you already have. What I mean there is that you don't want to be taking your life savings of 10 grand and and try to throw it at some harebrained idea, hoping that you're going to turn it into 100 grand and then you're basically back to square one because it didn't work. So you want to try and find simple ways that you can add extra income into your household. Now, for one third of people, they'll be paying down a mortgage too. This will be viewed by many as a form of saving as they're repaying debt. And I get that. And I agree, you know, if you are paying a mortgage out of the 70 grand and that is decreasing your loan, then that is probably a form of saving, right? Now that's fine if that's how you would like to measure it as well, but that's of course what you're going to have to be thinking about if you want to run some of these calculations. Now some people will also receive money from the government in various forms in different ways, which we have explored in previous lessons. Ultimately they are receiving some of their taxes back, decreasing the, the their percentage that they pay in tax. Now what I mean there is you might be getting working for families tax credits or different credits from the government and that is actually decreasing the tax that you pay in net terms, right? Because say you pay 15 grand in tax, but then all of a sudden you buy an electric vehicle and you get 8 grand rebate back, your net tax paid really only 7 grand, right? 15 minus the 8. So that could be the year where you go, oh, I'm going to put all of that aside and I'm going to invest it for instance, because that's going to increase the percentage that you were saving. Or it could be that you're just getting working for families or, or whatever it is. You might want to look at those m- amounts coming in and go, can I save a portion or invest a portion of these as well? Now, of course, that could be very, very hard to do, and I'm not dismissing the fact that it is very hard to save at the moment. But again, I'm getting all of us try, try and think bigger, right, and go, well, hang on. Is just saving 10% of everything I earn, A, am I actually doing that? Have I understood that concept? What does it mean? Is that thinking too small? How far is it going to take me? Now, I think, uh, so you may want to run the numbers on your annual income, and I think we've spoken previously about payee.net.nz. It's a website where you can go to, and you can chuck in what you earn and then see what you'll be getting after tax. So you might want to run the numbers on your annual income, and you actually want to calculate what is uh, tax as a percentage of your income, because I've used $70,000 in this example, but you may not be at $70,000. I was actually researching the median this morning, and I think the new median income in New Zealand is actually around $62,500, so it's slowly creeping up there. But you might want to see what percentage of your income are you actually paying in tax. Perhaps this could be your financial goal for 2023, is to really understand this stuff and actually try and figure out a way to save or invest more money. Now we have to reset our ceilings, our plateaus, our paradigms. This requires new teaching, new thinking and new solutions. Now you might remember I did content about me moving to try and save 40% of everything I earned and stacking that aside into a separate bank account and at one stage giving it to my sister so that I couldn't touch it. I had, when I first learned about that, I thought, you know, an older version of Luke would have been like, that's fucking impossible. And I saw this uh, recently on my LinkedIn when I posted about this. Someone basically told me that, you know, you've got to be kidding. Who do you think you are? This is ridiculous. And that mindset is that purely dismissive mindset of, no, it can't be done. But when I was trying to clean up my shit, my finances and whatnot, and think bigger, 
I was soaking everything up going, okay, hang on, like how would that work? So I'm always looking for the how, you know, how do you get to 40%? And of course, it was about finding ways to be able to bring in extra income and do things like contribute to KiwiSaver to ensure that your employer is as well. And then all of a sudden, you've got 6% that you're saving out of your income before it's uh, you know, getting to you and all those different types of things. So I'm looking at all the different levers going, well, what else could I be doing here? Could I get a border? Okay, well, that's $10,000 a year. It's untaxable. If I added that into my savings account, now what does that bring the percentage that I'm saving up to? You know, We've all got different levers that we can pull, but don't dismiss people's suggestions especially if they've been able to do it what you want to do is you want to have an open mind and be like how have you done that you know usually someone that's like that's impossible is someone that's already quit on their goals and it's a good sign of someone that you probably wouldn't want to learn from or there's a good sign that they are not a student yet because they're not ready to be taught they've decided no this is how it is and so then that's the lane that they will stay in and that will only take them to a point where they'd be frustrated by the people that do manage to do it somehow and it will be that oh good oh you know that's easy for you to say oh all good and well because you've got this and I saw this the other day oh your idea about a border well step one's you've got to have a house you know I don't have a house so I can't do this none of this applies to me you're like bro you're thinking too small you've already quit you've already given up you know, what levers could you pull? Like you don't look for one reason why you can't do something and then go, no, none of this works for me. You know, that is low level thinking that isn't actually going to take you to where you want to get to. Now, finally, last week as well, we learned something significant and that was that the minimum wage was going to increase to $22.70 from the 1st of April. It's an increase of $1.50 per hour. And of course, that gets the seven days of traction where everyone sort of blows up about it and it's like, oh shit, that's going to add to inflation and uh, how are businesses going to afford that? That's just going to get passed on to consumers. Prices are going to go up. They're going to hire less people. They're going to um, fire people. And it's all the same conversations that we hear every single year. But realistically, uh, Labor and National have slowly been increasing this over time and, and Labor have done uh, a lot, I think, the most to to really increase this and they're in a rock and stuck between a rock and a hard place right because how could they not raise that with the pressure at the moment with the cost of living and things like that but as always you know these media outlets and the politicians want to miss out one critical fact and they say well what we've done is we've increased the minimum wage in line with CPI inflation which is 7% and that's bullshit, it's, it's incorrect, is most of these taxpayers will lose 17.5% of this increase to tax. So they're not going to get the whole 7% increase. Someone that's on minimum wage is not going to get that whole increase. They're going to pay 17.5% tax on that increase for most of them, and they'll get the effectively like 82.5% after that, right? So they're not keeping up with inflation. So when they say it's in line with inflation, that's in gross terms, not net terms, you're smarter than that, you can read that stuff and be like, huh, cool, I've learned that. That's not even really true. But as an example, $22.70 times by 2,080 hours. Now that is 52 hours of 40, uh, 52 weeks of 40, 40 hours. That is $47,216. Now this is very close to the $48,000 tax threshold where you start to pay 30% tax on the income above $48,000. So what that means is say someone was doing overtime or they were doing you know 60 hours a week or whatnot, and they actually were on, and they're still on minimum wage, but they ended up getting paid well above $48,000. The income above $48,000 is going to get pinged at 30%. So they'd actually be losing a third of that, effectively a third, right? And that's where a lot of people are like, well, why would I go to work to make another three grand when I'm going to lose $1,000 of that to tax? And that jump from 17 and a half to 
30% can be so scary for a lot of people or so, um, not scary, but it's, it's very visible and they can feel it and they can see it on their payslip. They're like, holy shit, I feel like I did way more work, but I've just been axed for a big chunk of that. And that's why this conversation is getting so loud about changing tax thresholds to be indexed back to inflation since they haven't been changed since 2010. And we'll be talking about that soon as well. But perhaps we will see changes to these tax thresholds at the upcoming elections. And you're going to understand what this is all about when they start talking about this shit. Because most people are going to be like, oh, fuck, oh, that sounds fucking complicated. Just tell me how much more cash I'm going to get. And then they'll go tick blue, tick red, whatever it is, based on probably how much cash they're going to get, right? Because let's be honest, for a, for a lot of humans, it's going to uh, make for a lot of humans, for a lot of us. Yeah, but for humans, like we're going to be like, well, how can I get more for what I'm doing? That's how we're wired to think, right? So of course they're going to be like, I'm going to vote this way because that means I'm going to have extra amount of X, Y, Z. So this next election, if they play with this stuff, it's going to be a serious self-interest type vote for a lot of people. And I'd say the majority of people because naturally we vote for things that are in our best interest, right? So that's going to be fascinating for us to watch and for it to play out and we'll be able to dig into it. But what I'm saying to you in this lesson is don't solely rely on tax and law changes to be where your income increases come from. So don't wait for something to be indexed back to inflation or for minimum wage to go up in quotes in line with CPI inflation, which isn't even true. Don't let those be the things that determine whether you're going to earn more throughout the year or not. You've got to look for other ways. Otherwise, we're just letting life happen to us. So be bold out there. You are one of over 6,800 recipients. Did you know an increase in the minimum wage is said to impact 11% of the workforce? People between the current minimum wage and the new one seek a raise. So what that means is that like, I think it's, it's between 3 to 5% of people in the workforce actually get paid minimum wage. But it impacts about 11% of the workforce because say you're getting paid uh, $22.80. Now, you're not getting a pay rise because you're already above minimum wage, but say someone that's been at work two years less than you, they're suddenly going to get twenty two seventy. You're going to be like, well, why the fuck do they get 10 cents less than me when I've got all this experience that they don't have and all these different things, right? And so this is where it kind of naturally drags up the wages as well. And then, of course, the government tax take increases too because of fiscal drag and people moving up into different tax brackets. So this is why something has to be done to address these tax brackets, and I think we will see that later in the year when we get into the election policies and the tax policies. That's going to be very exciting. But anyway, back to our lesson of the day is, again, to think bigger and just to test some of these things. Save 10% of every dollar you earn. Perhaps this isn't the correct way to be thinking about this, and perhaps this isn't what you first thought when you heard this, and you need to be thinking bigger and thinking what percentage am I actually saving? How far is that going to take me? Are there ways that I can increase that? Why have I become comfortable with giving the government 20% of everything I earn, but only keeping 7%? The fuck's all that about? Three times more. You know, do you want to accept that? Or do you want to find ways to change that? This isn't a, oh, yeah, this is bullshit, you know, like you're ripping on the government, or I shouldn't have to pay that level of tax. It is what it is. I can't change those things for you and that's the world that we live in so we've got to look at the things that we can control and figure out how can I get a little bit more? How can I get what you deserve? What levers can you pull? What are you willing to accept? 
and then go out and try and find ways to create different ceilings for yourself, different savings percentage ceilings, different paradigms, different ways of seeing these problems and ultimately, of course, solutions as well. So she's a little bit broken out there at the moment and I think this is a good way to highlight that. I hope you're looking after yourselves. We'll see you on the next Money Mail. If you haven't already, drop this a five star. I'd really, really appreciate it. Thank you.